everyone, before we get started with this crazy story, we wanted to let you know that this episode is sponsored by the Chicago House of Za. If you order at least $50 worth of their tasty and homemade vegan pizzas, you can get 10% off if you use our promo code HORROR. That's the H-O-R-R-O-R word. The Chicago House of Za is a family-owned, all-vegan pizza place that unfortunately had to close down because of the pandemic. But they were able to start a web store and ship their tasty, tasty frozen pizzas nationwide. So I know they would really, really, really appreciate the support. They were my absolute favorite restaurant in Chicago before they had to go out of business. Um, Speaking as someone who is not vegan and who loves normal, regular pizza with dairy cheese, I have to say that the Chicago House of Za hands down makes like the best pizza I've ever had. No joke. Their website is chicagoveganpizza.com and you can find them at Vegan Deep Dish on Instagram. We will include the link in our show notes. Go get your 10% off with a purchase of $50 or more with the promo code HORROR. Remember, that's the H-O-R-R-O-R word. And now on to the show. Welcome to Whores Talk Horror. We're not really whores. We just like wordplay. Hello and welcome to Horse Talk Horror. I'm Sharon. And I'm Melinda. Today we are going to be covering the case of John Lang and the Fresno PD. I had never heard of this case before. Me neither. And if you're a regular listener, you know that we have an open invitation for listeners to share their own stories or send us stories that they would like us to talk about on the show. Um, We had a very nice comment on YouTube. Yes, you can have nice comments on YouTube, apparently, um, (laughs) about our episode that we did on the disappearance of Brandon Lawson. Uh, That was episode number 43. God, that was almost 40 episodes ago, time It was flies. more than 40 episodes ago. Um, yeah. Whew, yeah. Where does time go? Way, um, way back when. Way <laughs> back when. <laughs> so this comment comes from Madara. I apologize if I am mispronouncing your name, um, but thank you for writing us. Um, and they wrote... I just discovered you all by accident. The Brandon Lawson case is probably the most bizarre and definitely my favorite missing persons case. The podcast was awesome and I look forward to listening to more from you all. Is there any way you can do an episode about John Lang and the Fresno PD? That shit is spooky. So uh, thank you again for your comment. And yes, we can do an episode on that case. Here it is. (laughs) Um, And also, yes, I agree. This shit is spooky. I will say that many of the websites dealing with this case were sketchy as fuck. So (laughs) I did not end up going on those to gather any research uh, because I was afraid that if I clicked on those sites, I'd get a virus on my computer. (laughs) So most of this info comes from Reddit, the official autopsy report for John Lang, and also some California news sites, among a few others. Yeah, I'm sure Spencer thanks you for not getting a virus. <laughs> Good call, Sharon. Um, Lang's website, which was uh, jodymurray.com, is no longer active, but uh, I was able to actually grab a few screen captures from the Wayback Machine, um, which if 
you don't know what that is, it is an internet archive, literally, of uh, screenshots that have randomly been taken of the history of different web pages. It's literally archive.org. Uh, so check it out. We're going to post the links to what I found in our show notes. So there are a ton of rabbit holes <laughs> that you can go down surrounding this case. We could not possibly cover every single theory. We have full-time day jobs and cannot spend weeks researching one story. So if you want to do more digging on this story, feel free to you know go to our show notes, uh, go to those resources, go find your own resources. Um, it is a really interesting story. I just feel like I needed to put that out there in case someone's like, how come you didn't talk about this theory or <laughs> how come you didn't cover these details? Um, there, There's just too much to go over. And that's why I also feel like now more than ever after doing the research to the story that we most definitely have an FBI file <laughs> on our podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, there is a, a, a lot of things that I was Googling while doing research for this story with that. I was like, oh, shit, this definitely has been flagged by the FBI now. I'm sorry. From the podcast, uh, I'm sure that they have files on both of us dating back to like our very first home Internet accounts because we look up some weird shit and always have. Please, let's be honest. <laughs> well, regardless, this case has definitely increased my paranoia about Big Brother always watching. Uh, and you will see why once we finish covering this story. Ah, and my previous comment probably didn't help your paranoia, huh? Sorry about that. Um, anyway, should we dig in? Yeah. All right. Here we go. So we're going to do just a quick little overview about this case, the body of 51-year-old John Ling was found dead in a burning home on Van Ness Avenue in Fresno, California on January 20th, 2016. Fresno police originally reported that John Ling had also been stabbed in his abdomen and upper back. Despite those initial reports by law enforcement, Tony Body, a spokesman for the Fresno County Sheriff and Coroner, said that Lang had three superficial self-inflicted stab wounds to his chest and no cuts on his back. Body also said investigators believed Lang started the fire himself. The Fresno County coroner eventually ruled Lang's death a suicide. Stranger still, and what has led to much of the controversy surrounding this case, is that just five days before he died, Lang left ABC 30 reporter Corin Hoggard a Facebook comment saying, quote, corrupt Fresno cops are going to try and kill me this weekend, possibly tonight. This is no joke. End quote. All right, Mindy, do you want to go into a little bit about who John Ling was? Uh, I sure do. A really quick fun fact. I actually did find that quote. It's still up on Facebook when I was Googling John Lang, if anyone's interested to see that. So who was he? Who is John Lang? And why would the Fresno PD want him dead? John Paul Lang was a longtime resident of Fresno, California, and a former Marine who worked at Payless Tires and Brakes. Not Payless Shoe Store, like I kept thinking every time I would read that. Payless 
tires and brakes. <laughs> he was previously married, but he and his wife Alma divorced in 2011, and the couple had at least one child together, a daughter. He was also a local anti-corruption whistleblower who states that he started being harassed by Fresno PD starting in 2009 and for the next seven years of his life. Unfortunately, uh, that is really the only information we could find about his life. Uh, we couldn't find an obituary for him. There are no pictures of what he looks like really online. There are also not many actual news reports on this story other than some local news stories and really nothing dated past 2016 except for threads on Reddit that talk about this case. It's all very mysterious, really. This comes from mintpressnews.com and was written in 2016. The timing of Lang's death became suspicious to local activists in 2016, who reported that Lang had predicted his demise in recent and increasingly alarming posts he made online. Dylan Donnelly documented Lang's warnings in a January 26th investigation for independent media site Fresno People's News, noting that Lang had been a frequent poster in the Fresno People's Media Group on Facebook and acquaintance to many in the Fresno activist community. The series of postings began on January 13th when Lang shared his belief that police were targeting him not just for being an outspoken activist, but because he was exposing a policing scheme that he said targeted Fresno's most disadvantaged residents. He wrote, quote, I also discovered local law enforcement had been running a license plate scanning scam where Fresno cops would scan license plates at retail store parking lots. Uh, for example, Save Mart, Vons, Home Depot, etc. And this was in lower income neighborhoods. After collecting hits of violations, they would then pull the unsuspecting drivers over a few blocks away from the store location in a marked police vehicle, claiming they simply came across their vehicle through routine driving patrols. So put a pin in that because <laughs> we are going to be coming back to that in a bit with some very scary Big Brother shit that I found regarding this. Um can't wait to talk about that. I was going to say, I feel like there's a lot of pins we're going to be dropping <laughs> in a lot of stuff, but yeah. Uh, from there, Ling's post escalated to a point at which Donnelly said many believed he had become paranoid. On January 14th, Ling posted to the group, if anything happens to me in the next day or two, it will be the result of Fresno PD, my neighbor, and an employee at my job, Payless Tires and Brakes. So I didn't really see any other mentions in anything that I read about his coworker or his neighbor and why either of them would have been involved in Lang's death or why Lang um, wrote that. Cause I didn't see that there was any conflicts necessarily. I'm not really sure. Um, that's just what he wrote, but uh, put a pin in that. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Mindy, I think uncovered some stuff that I didn't in the Wayback machine. So uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that eventually. The next day is when Lang contacted Colin Hoggard, a reporter for local station ABC 30. On Facebook, he wrote, quote, corrupt Fresno cops are going to try and kill me this weekend, possibly tonight, uh, as I mentioned that earlier. And in the following days, Lang reached out to friends 
on the social media site looking for someone who was a legal gun owner to come stay with him for protection. He also shared videos which he claimed showed he was being watched by undercover surveillance fans. Uh, put a pin in that. <laughs> I just bought a whole new thing of push pins, so we're good. Sweet. <laughs> All right. Um, Donnelly's report also includes a long series of diary entries in which Lang recounts years of perceived harassment from many sources, from police to a recurring issue involving illegal emission stickers placed on vehicles that he's owned. Lang wrote in his diary, I deeply regret some of the things I said while commenting on stories in the Fresno Bee, but I never insulted anyone. Everything I stated was true, even though it may have been embarrassing for some. Other commenters were rude and directed personal attacks towards the chief and sheriff. I admonished those posters and defended the chief and sheriff on many occasions. Doesn't this count for anything? Lang mm. also said he discovered that Fresno Bee, which if we didn't mention earlier, it's a local daily newspaper, um, and it was sharing chat log information with the Fresno PD made by local Fresno residents who were critical of local Fresno government and also Fresno law enforcement. According to Lang, he wrote an email to the editor of the Fresno Bee accusing the webmaster, whose name was Jody Murray, of sharing not just commenter chat log info, but also IP addresses with sheriff department personnel. So again, if you, for those of you who don't know, because you might not, an IP is it, that stands for Internet Protocol Address. It's a numeric label assigned to each device connected to a computer network, like your laptop, your phone. When you're at home, those are all connected to your Wi-Fi network. They each have their own ID. IPs are used mostly to identify a host or network interface location and a path to that location. So put simply, say you post a comment to the Fresno Bee from your iPad over your home Wi-Fi. The Bee's webmaster or IT department can see your IP address, aka your home wireless network, and your comment and the exact time it was posted. The Fresno PD would be able to trace your IP address and find out where you live, what you post, when you post, etc. Oddly, John Lang's website was named jodymurray.com, <laughs> um, was being a smartass by naming it after the person who he thought was an informant. His posts are worth a read. And again, we will post the links to what I found in the show notes. Okay, so Sharon, what is next in this crazy town banana pants of a story? All right. So as we mentioned, John Lang thought he was being harassed and was going to be killed by the Fresno PD. He actually had a YouTube page and he posted videos from his surveillance camera. So let's talk about that. There are 17 surveillance videos on his YouTube page. His channel is called Lang Marine. Marine as in the branch military that he belonged to. His YouTube page is still up so you can go check it out for yourself and watch all these videos. The link is going to be in the show notes as well. Um, so all of the videos were recorded with his front home security camera. The first video was posted 
on May 20th of 2015, and the last video is dated January 16th of 2016, just four days prior to his death. Lang's theory is that since he was criticizing the Fresno police on the local news site, the Fresno Bee, they were able to track his IP address and find out where he lived. Mindy explained all of that previously. Um, So he had cameras set up to monitor his house to see. I'm not really sure if he, he put up the cameras just to see if the police were surveying him or if he had these cameras up for a while um but the videos didn't start appearing on youtube until 2015 and he had issues going on with the police since like 2009 is that right mindy at least that we know of and honestly like there were it sounds like there were quite a few cameras so i don't know because he had indoor and outdoor cameras right so Yeah, yeah. Um, So let's talk about a few of the videos that he posted, because I definitely have questions. (laughs) Oh, I do too. Yeah. On these videos. Um, So this is from this is a quote from the first video that Lang ever posted. He states, Ford crew cab that stalked me at my residence numerous times on 12, 13, 14. This truck belongs to Fresno Sheriff personnel was stalking me that Saturday morning on 12, 13, 14. Truck is visible in time frames. And then he lists a couple time frames and then goes on to say five minutes after this incident, I received a hang up call from this number. He list a phone number, which I'm not going to be reading right. because I don't know who this number belongs to and I don't want anyone calling this number. Um, but then he goes on to say the owner of this phone number is a member of the Fresno Sheriff's Office. And just a quick description. And all you see in the video is at the start of it, there's a truck that pulls up actually really more in front of his neighbor's house. Like it, they're driving, but they kind of pull over to the side for a bit and then pull back into traffic and drive off. And then towards the end of the video, you see what looks like a similar truck just simply driving by the house. Quick note on the videos, because I know I had to look it up to get some perspective. Van Ness Avenue, Lang Street. uh, It's a one-way street that appears to be heading one way north. So thank you, Google Maps, because I just wasn't sure. I don't know California that well. Uh, That said... I'll be honest, while I did see the truck in question the first time, I kind of thought they looked like they were lost. The truck does pull over, but it pulls over kind of in front of his next door neighbor's house and then kind of moseys back on. The second appearance, like I said, is just maybe the truck or a truck that looks like it driving by without slowing down. Uh, Seeing as how Lang Street is a one-way street, theoretically, the driver could be trying to get somewhere and not know his or her way around the one-way streets. I know I've had Lyft drivers run into that problem with the one-way streets in my neighborhood, and they're using fucking GPS. Just a thought. Yeah, I think... A lot of the videos that were posted, you, you're you kind of making um, a, a lot of assumptions about what's <laughs> going on. It, it's not exactly clear. And obviously, he was monitoring his house 24-7. Um, so who knows how many other occasions that he did not 
post to YouTube that he saw this truck or what was going on. I mean, there's a lot of room for interpretation. So, you know, if if you want to believe something hard enough, you can make anything seem like it's, you know, in reality when it may not be. Uh, The the next video, though, that we're going to be talking about is titled Thermal Imaging Threat and Intimidation by Fresno Law Enforcement. And I will say that out of all the videos, this one was the most questionable and the most bizarre. And this one actually looks like it could have been someone who was uh, purposely recording his house. But I'm going to read the caption and then describe a little bit about what this video showed. So Lang writes, This is the same Fresno, California sheriff crew that has been illegally entering my property and home when I leave my house. Here they are using an infrared thermal imager to see if I am home. They then phone a waiting second party with information as to whether or not I'm home. Fresno PD fails to fully investigate my complaint on this incident, which I fully detailed in my Fresno PD internal affairs complaint. If anyone can identify any of the Fresno sheriff personnel in this video, please forward their names, end quote. So the video is of a minivan parked across the street from his house. It stops. The side door on the minivan opens and there's someone with this huge camera. I have no idea what type of camera this is, but it's recording Lang's house for like about a minute and a half. Then they close the van door and drive away a few seconds later. So this is weird for multiple reasons. Yeah. Why did they stop in front of Lang's house? What exactly were they filming? Who are these people? Also, he says that these are the same people who have been illegally entering my property and home when I leave my house, yet there is no videos posted to his YouTube site showing any sort of people illegally entering his property and leaving. He also had video cameras inside of his house. There was no videos posted inside of his house. You would think that if police were illegally entering his house, he would have shared those videos. Just saying. Yeah, so many thoughts, but we will cover them. Um, I agree that of all of them, this was definitely the strangest of the video of the bunch. Um, And a few things struck me as well. Uh, First of all, it's an unmarked black van with what looks like tinted windows in the back. And his street is fairly residential, even though Van Ness seems to be a fairly busy street. Um, So, I mean, you know, it it's the, the van sticks out like a sore thumb. Not but, really. It's just a minivan with tinted windows in the back. Yeah, but there's like really no other cars around it. And it is kind of directly in like if I was a neighbor and I saw that, especially with the camera, I'd be like, what is happening? <laughs> well, that's the part that really sticks out. They open the door and there's a man there and holding a giant camera and Ling's security camera, I have to say, is like super high tech. I mean, it was able to zoom in on them and have like pretty um, ungrainy footage. I mean, the, the footage was very clear. Like you could definitely yeah. make out what these people looked like. Which is weird because some of his other footage isn't as clear, but I'm getting ahead of myself. So second of all, whatever the van crew is doing is happening in plain sight. Um, the parked van, like I said, I feel like it would draw attention, but that camera obviously very much would since it is almost ridiculously large. 
Um, my first thought actually was maybe they were like location scouts for like a TV network or film crew like that because it's that kind of a huge ass camera. But Spencer, no- you should actually watch the video and see if you can identify the camera since you work in film and video. I will not be able to identify the camera because <gasps> I don't know all the things. But yes, I would like to look at this. I okay. think some people on Reddit already did that because <laughs> um, I thought I saw somebody who was like, oh, like I work in whatever business and I noticed I, I can identify that model, but I'm, I'm, don't quote me on that. Fall down your own rabbit hole on Reddit. Reddit it's super fun. Um, <laughs> there's also no denying that the van's focus is on or around Lang's house and or property. Um, it's pretty clear that these guys are there for a specific reason and they're not lost. Like, you could argue about the other video. Uh, they These guys are sitting there and they don't care who sees them. Uh, they quickly drive off when they're done. No slow pass by like the truck did. Um, no stops were made in front of any other houses on the block. Nothing like that. So either the van crew had some legit reason for being there, which I don't know what that would be, or something nefarious was afoot. Uh, one could argue that these guys might be the worst stalkers ever uh as generally you don't want your subject to know that they're being tailed and they weren't hiding it on the other hand if the van crew is part of some conspiracy that runs up the chain of command to the within the fresno pd or beyond then this is blatant intimidation Or the van crew doesn't care if they're seen since they're operating above the law or from within. Any way you really want to look at it, this video is definitely fucking weird. It is definitely the weirdest of all the videos. Then in the very last YouTube video that Lang posted on January 16th of 2016, um, which I mentioned earlier was just four days before his death, Lang wrote, quote, If I turn up missing or dead tomorrow, remember this van. I think I saw a couple of guys sneak out of the side door and into the building when it was parked in the carport this afternoon. I've been causing the city of Fresno a lot of problems recently, which I now regret. Sign on the door said, guarantee carpet cleaning Fresno, end quote. So this is a whole other (laughs) conspiracy uh, that was talked about a lot on Reddit, and I don't really want to go into it too much. Um, A lot of people said that guaranteed carpet cleaning was a front. It wasn't a real business. Uh, I think there was a lot of people calling the phone number on the side of the van and harassing this company. I actually think it was a legit company. And just because the address, I believe, ended up being linked to someone's house and not a commercial business doesn't mean anything. There's a lot of people who run businesses out of their homes. Yeah. I know people who ran. Um, my mom worked for a company. It was an appliance company and it was in the basement of a residential home. And it doesn't mean it wasn't a legit business. It's just not everyone can afford a storefront on top of their own like mortgage that they're paying on their house. So sometimes people have to run businesses on their, out of their homes. And it just, I, I, if it is a legit business, I just, I'm like, don't harass these poor people. Like they got caught up in this against their will. <laughs> because yeah, they, unknowingly. They, yeah, unknowingly, because they happen to maybe be servicing the carpets in one of Lang's neighbor's houses. Like, so I, I don't even want to go down 
yeah this whole rabbit hole and and dissect who these people really are but uh yeah i will say though about the video itself speaking solely on what i saw like even if i didn't know any of what you just explained to me it looked like that it was genuinely like basically we see this this van with like the logo for the company and then this dude just like having a cigarette standing outside the van smoking for like I don't remember how long the video is and the guy like occasionally kind of looks over in Lang's like in the direction of Lang's house but he kind of just looks like he's a dude having a smoke break and to be fair like it looks like he had multiple camera angles and uh, set up and Lang's whatever camera he had in his front window, it could it it was panable like it could it move right to left, zoom in all this stuff. So he probably was like, why is there a giant ass camera filming me right now? <laughs> oh, that's what I kept thinking. Um, so I, I and I think I read somewhere that it was noted later that his next door neighbor was actually having work done on his house. So, yeah. We won't rile up the conspiracy theorists. We won't get into the other. But I'm just that's my observation from the video. I just thought it was a dude having a smoke break. And also people said, well, he put like one flyer in the mailbox and it was the only house on the block that he put a flyer in. I'm like, it didn't look like a flyer to me. It looked like a receipt. You know, he did drop something off, but it was in the neighbor's front yard. You could see by you could definitely determine the fence line. That's that's been talked about on Reddit. Yeah. See that. that's, (laughs) That's what people were saying. But they were saying. Like he put a flyer like it was an advertisement for the carpet cleaning company, but he only put it in one house. But I don't think it was an advertisement. I don't think so either. I think it was like an itemized bill. That's what it looked like to me. Um, Because it had like the, you know, the uh, carbon paper underneath that's like white on the top and pink on the bottom, whatever. Um, Kids don't know what you're talking about. Anyways, that's that's a little bit about the very last video that he ever posted. And then on January 20th, 2016, smoke was spotted by Lang's neighbors around 3 p.m. in the afternoon. And firefighters just happened to be a few doors down on an unrelated call. Battalion Chief Todd Tuggle said while the 911 call was going on, neighbors were flagging down our engine company, end quote. The home was heavily secured with a gate, so firefighters had to force their way in. After a quick search, they found Lang in the kitchen, unconscious and bleeding from several stab wounds. He was taken to the hospital and pronounced dead. All right, so this is the final autopsy report that was signed on May 18th, 2016. Toxicology results were negative for drugs and alcohol. Manner of death was ruled a suicide Cause of death was inhalation of smoke and soot due to fire with multiple stab wounds as a contributing factor. There were three stab wounds to the left anterior chest between the breast and the sternum. The wounds all perforate the anterior chest wall with only one perforating the anterior wall of the right ventricle. There are bilateral anterior rib fractures plus sternal fractures associated with the resuscitation process. Um, for those of you who don't know, when you do CPR, you like most if you're doing it right, you're going to break a few ribs. So that's totally common. 
Soot is noted over the skin of the upper lip near the nostrils. Soot covers the tongue and the mucosa of the larynx with mild redness of the epiglottic mucosa. Soot over the mucosa of the middle to lower segments of the trachea extending into both main and proximal bronchi of the lungs. And an autopsy blood sample showed the carbon monoxide level was elevated to 31% saturation. Uh, I looked up the normal range uh, just for comparison. Normal range for adult non-smokers is less than 2.3% carbon monoxide in the blood. So at 31%, that was extremely elevated. But findings are consistent with death from smoke inhalation. Now, let's talk a little bit about the state of John Lang's house at the time his body was found. So this was all um, also mentioned in the final autopsy report. Upon arrival, the Fresno Fire Department tried to enter through the front door. It was barricaded shut. They moved to the door on the north side of his house, which was also barricaded shut. They were eventually able to get his door open, Lang's body was found in the back of the house, and as he was being carried out, they noticed blood on his chest and later saw that they appeared to be stab wounds. According to Detective Tony Rivera with the Fresno PD, Lang had several surveillance cameras outside of his house, and based on his preliminary investigation, nobody was seen coming or going into Lang's residence prior to the fire, and the residence was well secured. Fire investigators at the scene said the fire began in the front room of the house and Lang used an unknown flammable product. There were various burned items strewn about the living room. The front door had been cut away and there were two by four pieces of wood that were affixed to the wall and a portion of the remaining door. The house was very unkempt. There was a mattress on the floor with a small amount of blood. And in the kitchen where Lang was found, there was also a small amount of blood on the floor by the door. The door in the kitchen, which led to the backyard, had also been secured with two by four pieces of wood, which had been removed by the Fresno Fire Department. There was also a plank of wood over an adjacent kitchen window. Detective Rivera stated that the cameras to the exterior of Lang's house were functioning just prior to the arrival of the fire department. Lang also had cameras inside of his house that were also functioning until a day prior to his death. The inside footage shows Lang sitting in the living room area of the house with a large knife. Lang displayed the knife in front of the camera and took it to another room and then later approached the camera and appeared to turn it off. Okay, that is straight out of a horror movie. That detail specifically creeps me the fuck out. That really is straight out of a horror movie. You're correct on that. Um, There wasn't any additional footage after this time. Detective Rivera also provided a copy of the video from the firefighter's helmet camera, which showed that it was very difficult to gain entry into Lang's home, and the fence outside was secure and the doors were not easily opened, even with an axe. So, there was no mention of any stab wounds to Lang's back in the official autopsy report, but we'll come back to that in a bit, because as I mentioned at the very beginning of this episode, There were reports that there were stab wounds 
in Lang's back. It also didn't seem like anyone else had gained entrance to Lang's house prior to 911 being called about the fire. So besides Lang's cryptic post to Facebook stating that the Fresno PD was trying to kill him, was there really any other evidence to back up these claims? Hmm. Or is that what they want you to think? (laughs) So some theories, um, there are theories that John Lang may have actually been living with a mental illness and may have had paranoid or delusional episodes. In no way are we saying John Lang was ever diagnosed with having paranoid or delusional episodes or diagnosed with any type of mental illness for that matter. But this is just a theory. Uh, This description of paranoia and delusional disorders I'm about to read may be why some people think this. This comes from mentalhealthamerica.org. Paranoia involves intense, anxious, or fearful feelings and thoughts, often related to persecution, threat, or conspiracy. Paranoia occurs in many mental disorders, but is most often present in psychotic disorders. Paranoia can become delusions when irrational thoughts and beliefs become so fixed that nothing, including contrary evidence, can convince a person that what they think or feel is not true. When a person has paranoia or delusions, but no other symptoms like hearing or seeing things that aren't there, et cetera, they might have what is called a delusional disorder because only thoughts are impacted. A person with delusional disorder can usually work and function in everyday life. However, their lives may be limited and isolated. Um, Delusional disorder is characterized by irrational or intense beliefs or suspicions which a person believes to be true. These beliefs may seem outlandish and impossible, the bizarre, or fit within the realm of what is possible, the non-bizarre. Symptoms must last for one month or longer in order for someone to be diagnosed with delusional disorder. So symptoms of paranoia and delusional disorders include intense and irrational mistrust or suspicion, which can bring on a sense of fear, anger, and betrayal. Some identifiable beliefs and behaviors of individuals with symptoms of paranoia include mistrust, hypervigilance, difficulty with forgiveness, defensive attitude in response to imagined criticism, preoccupation with hidden motives, fear of being deceived or taken advantage of, inability to relax, or are argumentative, end quote. Um, So I have theories that regarding everything that I just read uh, from mentalhealthamerica.org, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, Some people have also speculated that John Lang may have had PTSD from being a Marine, Uh, But without knowing much about his life, we couldn't really find anything to say whether or not Lang ever saw any combat or suffered from any traumatic experiences. So once again, this is all just speculation. And of course, there's the theory that the Fresno PD killed him, which is what Lang was saying was going to happen. You may remember that the original claim was that Lang was stabbed in the back, which is not something you would typically find in a suicide situation. So why did the Fresno PD originally claim that he was stabbed in the back, but there was no mention of that in the final coroner's report? 
Well, according to Fresno Police Lieutenant Burke Farah, head of the department's homicide unit, the confusion about the wounds was the result of incorrect information released at the scene by Lieutenant Joe Gomez, the department's public information officer. He went on to say, Joe made a mistake. This is an aberration. Typically, we are very careful. When you start from a false premise, that's what allows this to spin out of control, end quote. So I wanted to find out how common it is for people to commit suicide by stabbing. So I did a bit of research. And while it does happen, suicide by stabbing is exceedingly rare, with only about one to two percent of victims dying this way. Well, remember, singer-songwriter Elliot Smith actually died from two stab wounds to the chest in 2003. But I remember thinking the same thing, being like, oh, my God, how do you do that? Uh, The supposed suicide, uh, what happened, his girlfriend was in the shower, heard a scream, and then found him with a knife in his chest in the kitchen. Uh, I'm sure that there are conspiracy theories on that, too, as the cops never really ruled out homicide, but I'm not quite feeling it. Uh, Anyway, there's one rarity. Also, rest in peace, Elliot Smith. Yeah, that's a strange case, and I'm not going to comment on it because I don't know too much about it, and I don't know if it was suicide or homicide, but it's sad nonetheless. Um, To play devil's advocate a bit and say that it could be possible to stab yourself repeatedly and possibly even in the back, I did find a case from the International Journal of Legal Medicine in which a man committed suicide in his bathroom using a small pocket knife and At the autopsy, a total of 92 stab wounds were found on the man's forehead in both temples, the anterior aspect of the neck, the back of the neck, the chest, and the sides of the trunk. In addition, repeated stabbing had caused a large soft tissue defect on the forehead. The frontal bone showed three perforations, but no brain injury was present, and two ribs were severed in the bony part, one of which carried a star-like pattern from repeated stabbing. No major vessels were injured, and the cause of death was exsanguination, or severe blood loss, after a considerable survival time. The large number of stab wounds, the perforation of bone, and some injury sites, especially the head and back of the neck, are extraordinary findings in suicides, which were probably favored by insufficient anatomical knowledge and the use of a short-bladed knife. The psychiatry history could not be verified in this case. So, in this case, it was not specifically mentioned that this person stabbed themselves in the back, but it did say that there were stab wounds in the back of the neck, and also this person managed to stab themselves 92 times and cause extensive injuries to their body. So, I do think, even though it would be difficult, it may actually be possible to stab yourself in the back. Oh my God, though, with a pocket knife? Jesus, that's horrible. 92 times doing that to your body. I mean... Well, in the temples, too. Like, I feel like if I stabbed myself in the temple, I'd be like, it's done. I'm That's it. Well, it was because it was a short knife. I think that's I guess, why. But yeah. yeah, repeated stabbing to that the head. And oh, my God. I mean, whatever this person was going through, I feel horrible that they weren't able to get the help that they needed Ugh. and that they resorted to doing that to themselves. Uh, that's a whole other episode, yeah. though. Um, 
But there are a ton of people who believe John Lang's statements that he was murdered by the Fresno police for uncovering a bunch of dirt on them or that the police had someone else murder Lang for them. Once again, this is speculation. There is no concrete evidence proving this one way or another. Um, but I just wanted to come back briefly to the whole statement that was initially made about John Lang stabbing himself in the back and why that was retracted and why that evidence was not found in the final autopsy report and whether or not it even would have been possible. So... Knowing me, I'd probably have a knife out for some other reason, trip and fall on it and kill myself by stabbing myself in the back that way. Because I'm clumsy as fuck. I'm trying that to think how off. you would trip and fall and stab yourself in the back. Trust me, I'm sure I could figure it out. I've done cre- I've hurt myself in weirder ways. All right. So remember earlier, Mindy, when I said I had some very scary Big Brother shit that I found? I do. I do, actually. What is that about? (laughs) All right. So we are going to cover this part now. So while researching this case, I came across this post on Reddit from someone who I'm not sure if they would want us to use their handle or not. So I'm not going to say their name. Um, But they said, I live in Fresno and have followed Lang's story since before this all happened. He was first brought to the spotlight when he caught Fresno PD targeting poor neighborhoods illegally. They got their new license plate scanners, which linked to their main database, which also linked to social media and many other things. This new system was widely reported on. Basically, it spit out a threat score based on a number of official and unofficial sources of information. What they do is scan the parking lots of low-income neighborhood markets, and when a high threat score came up, they'd randomly pull that person over when they left the parking lot and badger them to search the car. This is akin to stopping a person on the street and demanding they empty their pockets. It's unconstitutional. Lang reported on this from his blog in the months leading up to his suicide. When he died, I followed up on the story closely as it was a close-to-home conspiracy theory that piqued my interest. So this person actually believes that Lang killed himself. I went to that link that the person posted to see what this technology was that the police were using and if there was any truth to any of this. So the link was to an article from January 10th, 2016 from the Washington Post, and it was written by Justin Juvenal. The link's also going to be in our episode description if you want to read it. I'm not going to cover everything. It was a pretty long article, uh, but it's definitely worth a read. But some of the highlights are as follows. As a national debate has played out over mass surveillance by the National Security Agency, NSA, a new generation of technology such as the Beware software being used in Fresno has given local law enforcement officers unprecedented power to peer into the lives of citizens. Police officials say such tools can provide critical information that can help uncover terrorists or thwart mass shootings, ensure the safety of officers and the public, find suspects, and crack open cases. But the powerful systems have also become flashpoints for civil libertarians and activists who say they represent a troubling intrusion on privacy, have been deployed with little public oversight, and have potential for abuse or error. 
Some say laws are needed to protect the public. In many instances, people have been unaware that the police around them are sweeping up information and that has spawned controversy. As officers respond to calls, Beware automatically runs the address. The searches return the names of residents and scans them against a range of publicly available data to generate a color-coded threat level for each person or address, green, yellow, or red. Exactly how Beware calculates threat scores is something that its maker, Intrato, considers a trade secret. So it is unclear how much weight is given to a misdemeanor, a felony, or threatening comment on Facebook. However, the program flags issues and provides a report to the user. In promotional materials, Entrado writes that Beware could reveal that the resident of a particular address was a war veteran suffering from PTSD, had criminal convictions for assault, and had posted worrisome messages about his battle experiences on social media. Rob Nabarro, a Fresno civil rights lawyer, said he is particularly concerned about Beware. He said outsourcing decisions about the threat posed by an individual to software is a problem waiting to happen. Uh, duh. Navarro said the fact that only Entrato, not the police or the public, knows how Beware tallies its scores is disconcerting. He also worries that the system might mistakenly increase someone's threat level by misinterpreting innocuous activity on social media, like criticizing the police, and trigger a heavier response by officers. Beware's color-coded levels uses a very unrefined, gross technique. A police call is something that can be very dangerous for a citizen. The Fresno City Council called a hearing on Beware in November after constituents raised concerns. One council member referred to a local media report saying that a woman's threat level was elevated because she was tweeting about a card game titled Rage, which could be a keyword in Beware's assessment on social media, which obviously something like that is completely misleading. I should stop playing that game murder. I was just going to say, so all women who get pissed off or and tweet about it or bitch about some guy that did like that hit on him and was gross on the subway, like, we've all been flagged by beware. <laughs> or if you, like, write road rage or something, because you're like, yeah. Yeah. There, there's so many There's a lot that, of that's, like, fucked up about this. So much that's fucked up about this. Um, Councilman Clinton J. Oliver, a libertarian-leaning Republican, said beware was something like out of a dystopian science fiction novel and asked Fresno's chief of police, Jerry Dyer, a simple question. Could you run my threat level now? Dyer agreed. The scan returned Oliver as a green, but his home came back as a yellow, (laughs) possibly because of someone else who had previously lived at his address, a police official said. Even though it's not me, that's the, quote, yellow guy, your (laughs) officers are going to treat whoever comes out of that house in his boxer shorts as the yellow guy or even the red guy. I mean, who knows what the threat level is? But yes, the implication is that whatever your threat level is, the more force police are going to use on you. Yeah. And and as Oliver said, that may not be fair to me. Yeah. Or anybody. (laughs) Yeah. That is legitimately... Big brother shit right yeah. there. I mean, this shit 
is absolutely terrifying to me. I did a few searches to see how many police departments use this technology and I really couldn't find much. And I would assume that most police departments would wanna keep that hush hush if they were using this type of technology. I mean, Fresno has been very open about it, but who knows how many other police departments are using this. Um, but linking your social media posts to your address and background and driving records and who knows what the fuck else so that cops can access that if you get pulled over for speeding or you know some other stupid thing like not completely stopping at a red light that may flag you as a dangerous threat is like definitely next level dystopian future type shit. <laughs> Except it's not in the future. It's like actually happening right now. Well, what... I, what's really disconcerting to me, and I don't know why I didn't pick up on this like prior to recording, um, but I guess I didn't. It didn't quite sink in for me that uh, this Intrado, they are the holders of the software, and the fact that there's no transparency as to the coding, their their system, like their their rating systems, all that stuff. That is horrifying. And that should never be something that falls into the hands of any law enforcement official or government or anything like, I oh, that freaks me out. But yeah, I mean, there's no logical reason that a license plate scanner should have access to anything but police records. Actually, license plate scanners don't access police records. If you run someone's license plate, it doesn't show any of your history um, except for like vehicle information. So let's say you had a like a, a murder warrant or your car was used in a child abduction case or something like that. Then an investigator can put a warrant into the system and attach it to your car. But I believe just a regular run of a car only shows registration information. Ah, uh, okay. Thank you. Um, Don't quote me on that. But <laughs> <laughs> I won't. I won't. Um, but like you know, should I, yeah, I get it. Like, should a, should a car be reported stolen or maybe the cops are responding to a bolo, be on the lookout alert? That I can see, but um, the whole thwarting mass shootings and terrorism argument is total bullshit. Uh, theoretically, uh, we have government agencies that are way more equipped for that kind of stuff. Um, so I don't know that beat cops should be doing that, but to your point, Sharon, it's really freaky to think about for sure. But what's even scarier is that this is only one tool with these capabilities that we know of. I'm convinced, honestly, Google, Apple, or Amazon, or all three together could shoot me dead right now, right where I stand with a laser from a satellite or a fucking drone, given all of the sensitive information those three companies have on all of us from online shopping alone. But something like Beware, that's just fucked up and scary. And it does, it sounds unethical, really. And as I always like to say, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not out to get you. So be careful what you put online and be aware of your shit. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, that's why I always keep my blinds shut so that they can't <laughs> put a laser on me and shoot me dead. Jeff Bezos. Um, also, <laughs> I'm like really, really behind what the Unabomber was 
going for. I mean, he was so, he predicted all this shit. Like, in his manifesto, he was on the right track, except for, you know, the whole um, killing people with package bombs. Um, But besides (laughs) that, like, just he just should have stayed in the woods and lived peacefully as a hermit and, you know, been totally off the grid. I'm, like, all for that. I, I... 100% wish it was possible for us to kind of like live off the grid now unfortunately it's near impossible to do so yeah for real for real and we all have trackers on us constantly with our fucking phones so because we're if you're like me you're worried about getting mugged or kidnapped and then you'd have your phone so somebody could do find you know they could find me via my phone, so I don't want to shut those settings off. But at the same time, yeah, that opens it up for, you know, multiple people to access. You just leave a note. Just always leave a note. Just drop <laughs> notes. <laughs> keep a bunch of... Um, like post-its or something? Yeah, keep a bunch of sticky notes in your pocket with, like, different, um, you know, just put your DNA on it. Write your name on it. Just leave it around. (laughs) If you go missing, just leave a trail of breadcrumbs. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) All right. Well, let's wrap this up. So, like, what did we learn here? I mean, did we learn anything? (laughs) Have we come any closer to the truth? I mean, I don't really know. I'm not a huge conspiracy theory person, but this case is definitely weird. Um, I guess if I had to make some sort of decision on what happened... I would say it's a little bit of both. Uh, I think John Lang may have been living with mental illness. He also may have been watched or harassed by the cops to some degree. And maybe because he might have had mental illness, um, it could have pushed him over the edge and led him to self-harm himself. You know, I I don't know for certain, but if I had to make a guess, I'm going to go with that. Uh, Maybe also he didn't intend to kill himself, hence the superficial stab wounds. And, you know, he also allegedly turned off the security cameras inside of his home. So maybe he wanted to frame the Fresno Police Department and make it look like they tried to attack him somehow and set his house on fire. But things just got out of control with the fire and he ended up succumbing to the smoke and soot inhalation and his death was an accident. Maybe Ooh. he didn't mean for it to go that far. I think you just created a new conspiracy theory, Sharon. <laughs> Possibly. I didn't see anyone mention that. No, me neither. But I'm sure we, I mean, God, there's so much out there. Someone could have come up with that and we just may not have come across it. For sure. Somebody right now who's like on Reddit, literally posting as we speak, is twitching and they don't know why. <laughs> right now. Um, I kind of agree based solely on what we could dig up preparing for this episode. I think I'm in the paranoid delusion camp. Um, So the blog posts I was able to unearth in those posts, Lang makes many claims. However, the posts are hard to follow. They're at times very disjointed and his leaps of logic are hard to follow or are frankly non-existent. For instance, Lang claims he voiced his anger over the license plate scheme, which he says he learned about in 2009 after getting pulled over on the way home from Home Depot. Though how he learned about it, he doesn't really say, but he talked all about it in a post on the Fresno Bee website, uh, which he actually referred to as as a, quote, peaceful protest over being pulled over. 
Instead, he claims it became the impetus for his harassment. And it wasn't just the Fresno PD. Lang was critical of local politicians, mentions debating with the Fresno fire chief about budgetary issues, and eventually actually accused the Fresno PD and the sheriff of keeping files on anyone remotely critical of law enforcement. All of this was posted on the Fresno Bee's online forum. When the Bee moved their forum to Facebook, they, not surprisingly, blocked Lang. So he actually then emailed the editor of the Fresno Bee and a reporter from the Sacramento Bee accusing webmaster Jody Murray of sharing his personal info with law enforcement. When neither responded, he filed a complaint with the Internal Affairs Bureau, then proceeded to repeatedly call the Fresno PD asking for updates on, on the case, ultimately accusing them of squashing his complaint. And this is all from his blog. What's more, it wasn't just the Fresno PD that had it out for him. It was kind of everyone, literally. Like, he claimed a homeless man who stopped him as he was walking down the street and asked him if he wanted to buy a cell phone. Oh, he was clearly a plant who stole John's co-worker's cell phone and used it as a ruse to get close to Lang and follow him or frame him or whatever. Potential business clients were considered suspicious for various reasons. He was being framed for having child pornography, which had been planted somewhere in his home by law enforcement officials. I mean, I could go on. What's more, he lists the email and snail mail addresses, phone numbers, names, and like all sorts of personal information for law enforcement officials, staff members of the Sacramento and the Fresno Bee. Uh, And frankly, given everything I've just listed, I'm kind of surprised he didn't get sued by the Fresno PD or either of the publications. But here's the thing. As any conspiracy theorist will tell you, if you suspect people in power of being shady, the last thing you want to do is get on their radar, let alone make serious allegations without any legitimate proof to back up your claims on a fucking public forum. Agreed. (laughs) Just saying. (laughs) I mean, you know. Yeah. uh, Some of the videos he posted as I mentioned earlier, were definitely questionable, um, especially the one with the minivan. But other videos, I mean, it could have been like totally coincidental or misinterpreted. I mean, if you really think the cops are after you, you're going to convince yourself that anyone in those videos may be out to get you or maybe law enforcement or whatever. It was it was all very iffy to me but then again you know there was other people who watched those videos who were like oh my god yes that that's totally obvious that that's the cops harassing him and he was murdered and why isn't anyone doing anything about this and how come this is not talked about more so I don't know I I I think I'm kind of agreeing with you more Mindy that well at the same time the argument can be made that if you are being harassed by the police then you want to put it out in public so that maybe they won't come after you but if again without having any sort of proof or anything to back that up legitimately and based on what we've seen that he's documented I mean he kind of sounds like he was just pissing off like everybody in Fresno um he's kind of a busybody 
he was writing about everybody. <laughs> and especially as I also mentioned earlier, is if you had a video of people going into your house and yeah. there were police officers, like for sure share those videos. Like that's what you should have been sharing if you really thought police were coming onto your property and into your house when you weren't home. Like share those videos. Yeah, absolutely. So I just want to toss this out there. Uh, One of Lang's videos shows some kind of altercation with his next door neighbor, who Lang was convinced was reporting on him to the Fresno PD, because of course, uh, the truth was that the neighbor was actually a registered sex offender who often checked in with or was monitored by local PD. In in another video, we see an arrest happening across the street from Lang, and a large group of cops show up for backup. Lang claims that they're all staring at his house, but could it be that maybe they did look at his house, noticing all the damn fucking cameras he had around and was like, what the hell? So if he was living with mental illness, just as a for instance, Agreed. I totally can see how somebody could convince themselves they were be- they were a target for sure. And didn't they say in that video of the arrest that that was like all staged? They were. Yeah, because he he I think his description says something about like, oh, they they arrested him for just a little bit of weed or something. And I still the question remains, how does he know all of that, though? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I definitely did not see what he was seeing in those videos. I did not. But I will say that his descriptions, if you if anyone listening wants to watch those videos, um, look at the descriptions, because a lot of what he was referring to, I would not have noticed without the timestamps he listed, honestly. So those are helpful. What I want to know is where are the videos from the fire department entering the home? Uh, I mean, if police want to clear their names that they're not involved in this at all, like make some of those videos available to the public, like show that his house was actually boarded up and that his house was really hard to get into, even with an ax and that it's not something that like people were able to just like go in and out of there where someone could have just went into his house, stabbed him, set a fire and then left easily. So like, where are those videos? And also how come there's no photos of John Ling online? Like there's no driver's license photo. There's no like Photos from his past, wedding photos. There's nothing like that. Uh, There's no autopsy photos uh, showing his back that there are no stab wounds. I mean, there are a lot of people who believe that he was stabbed in the back. There's a lot of people who talked about how they believed he was stabbed way more times than the final autopsy report said he was stabbed. Uh, There's a lot of unanswered questions. If I spent more time digging or if I went on some of those sketchy websites, maybe I could have found some more answers. Um, but yeah, there there definitely could be more answers given by law enforcement. Well, didn't I, I thought I read somewhere or maybe you told me earlier in the episode um, that one of there was there was camera footage from one of the policemen's like uh, helmet cam or whatever or maybe it was a cop like you know they have their their cameras on them but yeah there was helmet cam from the fire department but they haven't made it public that's what right. I'm saying make it public because it's one thing for law enforcement to say something it's another thing for them to make it public and prove what they're saying is correct 
obviously there's a huge mistrust between the public and mm. law enforcement in our country. So just because they say something, yeah. it doesn't mean we're going to necessarily believe it. Fucking yeah. prove it. Good Make point. it public if it's true. Yeah, I guess that's a good point. Um, and I, again, throwing this out there, technically there are pictures of him as we do see him on some of the video of his surveillance footage. And there's even one with his daughter. Granted, they're not very clear images and we mostly see his back, but he drove a car and was a vet. So pictures exist, like you said, Sharon, DMV photos, and I'm sure the military has a photo on file. But if he was paranoid, he may or not have been posting a lot of pics of himself on social media or anywhere online, really, which leads me to the question that I've actually been dying to ask since we started this whole thing. Has anybody ever submitted a a Freedom of Information Act on this? It could be that his images are all in military record databases, and certainly the DMV somewhere should have something. I'm just curious to know if anyone's tried and what the results were, if any. Then again, if Big Brother doesn't want that info public, uh, no freedom of information anything is going to get you what you want. That only applies to what they want the public to see, so... Maybe any requests would go unanswered or get denied. I don't know. I don't know. Again, we could talk about this for literally hours and hours. One thing I do know for sure, something was happening with this man, and it doesn't sound like it was good. I mean, take your pick. Get stalked by the government or live with severe mental illness. I'll take a hard pass on both. Uh, But the result is that John Lang lost his life and a daughter lost her father. And I'm sorry, but I'm sure there could have been something done to prevent that somehow. It's just it's pretty sad. Yeah. And well, that's the other thing, too, is since we don't really know anything about his life, do we know if his family tried to help him at all? You know, he had a daughter. We know that. Did she try and help him, his ex-wife? Did he have parents or siblings? Like, we literally know nothing about him. Um, But it's just, it's very sad and tragic what happened to him. And I hope his daughter and the rest of his family can find some type of peace in this. And I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who miss him. So Yeah, I will say one thing that I specifically refrained from going into um there i don't remember where it was it might have been like another conspiracy theorists like video on youtube or something but his wife's name and his daughter's name first and last are out there publicly um i do not recommend looking them up because uh that is just i think an invasion of privacy and these poor people have probably been through enough but his daughter looked youngish in the the video he posted Uh, When he picked her up from school, I don't remember what was happening in that video that was shady that freaked him out. But uh, yeah, I I just I hope that as she's grown up, she's okay. And I'm I'm glad that otherwise, though, it seems like their information has been kept quiet because that's all they, they would need is like rando Internet weirdos contacting them about all sorts of stuff like please leave them alone. (laughs) Agreed. Yeah, I didn't really dig into that either because for the same reason, I didn't want to invade their privacy because you're right. I'm sure they've had so many other people (laughs) online who are really interested in this case 
go um, digging into their personal lives and, you know, let's give people some respect. You know, it's it's one thing to to be discussing this case the way we are. Uh, it's another thing to be like calling the phone numbers that have come up in this case or going to people's addresses. I mean, that's taking it a step too far. Thank you for listening to this episode. You know, thank you so much to uh, Madara. Uh, once again, apologies if I'm mispronouncing your name. Please write to us and let us know how you actually pronounce it if we are saying it wrong. But thank you so much for telling us about this case. This was indeed some spooky shit. Yeah. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed this episode and maybe uh, we talked about a few things you didn't know or if there are some things that we missed that you want to let us know about, please write us back and tell us. Um, and maybe we can talk about that in an upcoming Tidbits episode, uh, cover a few important points that we missed. Um, but yeah, thank you for listening to us. And as always, you can write to us at horror at gmail.com with anything you want to share with us. If you have any other topics that you would like us to cover in upcoming episodes, please write us and let us know what you want to hear on our show. You can also share any of your ghost stories, true crime stories, creepy stories, conspiracy theory stories, or whatever else you would like to say to us. And yeah, I would personally just like to say thanks, Madara, for sending us down a rabbit hole that we didn't <laughs> expect that consumed <laughs> most of my week and all I could think about. No, for real. Uh, thank you to everyone else. Uh, if you wouldn't mind, please do subscribe to us on your streaming service of choice and rate and review us. If you like our show, it really, really helps podcasts get more exposure when they when you do that. So that would be awesome. And we would really appreciate it. If you are able, you can also subscribe to our Patreon to see exclusive posts, get early access to episodes and maybe receive some cool shit. Please be kind to each other out there. Be safe. And as always, thanks, thanks for, for getting, getting creepy, creepy with us. us. Sharon, you want a beer? Uh, oh my god.